welcome. Grab a snack. Come on in. This is Bob and Joyce. We're former HROD executives who want to support other HROD professionals in doing large, high-impact, bold work in a time that really needs the values and skills of HR and OD. In these podcasts, we will share our experiences on topics that are relevant both to you and today's business world. We're both glad you're here. Welcome, grab a snack, come on in. Hey, Bob. Hey, Joyce. How are you? I am thoughtful and aware that what I wanted to do today to talk to you about was to do some sort of very peppy, very positive, very hopeful, even maybe structured conversation to bring clarity of some kind. And then (laughs) I laughed because that's one of the things that you do during transition or in a chaotic situation. And frequently it's like putting a bandage over garbage. So I'm laughing at myself for wanting to do that. And then I'm thinking of how acquisitions, when you're being acquired as a company, it is a trauma. And how as head of OD, I brought Bridges. I can't think of his first name. Oh, we do pass away. William. William William Bridges to talk about transitions and change without asking anybody. Yeah, and and anyhow, um, to complete that thought and then we can dig into it is um, how easy that one trauma seems (laughs) today because we have global trauma and national trauma and personal trauma with COVID and structural trauma and government trauma. And trauma is fast transition. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And we don't even know what trauma we're going through. We're going through multiple trauma, which is speedy change without a time to breathe and and be sad enough, let go of what you need to let go of, and know that while you're in that kind of transition chaos, all kinds of things pop up and my experience of dealing with that. And lots of times it's a feeling of incompetence really gets triggered as well as, you know, the morning, blah, 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 blah. So that's what was in my mind. I wanted to be peppy, give an answer, be very structured, and then took a deep breath and went, hey, 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 we are in trauma chaos. Yeah, I, uh, so I, I have a couple thoughts uh, reacting to what you shared. I'm right there with you. Um, Who isn't? Yeah, that's right, we're all in it. Uh, you know, you were talking about trauma. There's also another dimension of trauma that in almost all cases, it was brought on you 
yes uh done to you not something that you generated so uh that's something that kind of struck uh, me um the the other is um let's come back to that being acted because we're what we're saying is being acted upon is one of the conditions of trauma yeah and the other is trying to be peppy anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or to minimize happy uh -huh. you know, oh it's not too bad we'll get through this um uh -huh. or it, i'm not i don't have it as bad as others therefore i shouldn't feel what i'm feeling yeah yeah and that feeling of um incompetence i can't find how to master this situation yeah and I, this perhaps doesn't need to be said but it's in my head is uh, I, our conversation today isn't about choosing sides or oh, no, 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 no. blame or, uh, you know, uh, politicizing. It's about as a country, we're in trauma. And what have we learned from our time uh, in OD and HR that yeah. may help uh, serve as um, a guide to how, how do you be aware of it and navigate it best? That's yeah. a great conversation to have. Yeah, and because we're talking about when a system is polarized. Yeah. Um, what it makes me think of, and I think, first of all, uh, I'm thinking of search conferences. For those of you out there that don't, aren't familiar with it, get familiar. I believe it's Weisbord and also Merrill Emery who writes about future search. And it's a methodology that brings it, we originally started to bring together racial divide, especially in Australia. And it takes it out of the polarity of two forces fighting to through bringing in a whole community, the whole system, having them solve a problem together. They'll come in resistant, but there are certain ways in which you can you make them realize listen to that, make them realize that's horrible. They realize, they begin to focus on something other than their polarity, like their children or financial woes. I am not giving it a good description, but how do we take it away from two opposing forces to getting that wonderful energy of irritation focused on something grander than those two opposing forces? So, Which is what happens in war. <laughs> I mean, you know, it brings together a country that might have been fighting. If there were a great war right now, who knows? But anyway, I'll take it away. I'm babbling. Well, no, I, I was actually going to ask you. Uh, so I, I totally get, and I think our listeners get what you're saying. I think the idea of a search conference and doing some research may inform uh, our audience about things that they can do practically in their own Yeah space. If I look at our country, could you give me an example of, of perhaps an intervention or what a political leader or what a head of a company could do that kind of begins that process? Well, obviously, I think a search conference, yeah. because and I'll tell you why, whether it's in a company, which we did many of those inside delays, it brings together a microcosm of the entire community. And through 
some beginning conversations while everybody's hating one another, they begin to find some commonality and begin to create an idea of what it would look like if nothing changed and what it would look like if something very big changed. And it shifts the energy of the butting heads, period. It's a structure that works. It's, I would say, look at that. I would like to see it used in cities uh, across the United States, run by a team of people that the government trains on the process. So it is not, for instance, black and white. It's a whole community. Every voice is proportionately represented. That's big. Another one I would do, and I do it in my books, I'm gonna plug my books, I Pray Anyway series. Uh, I have done workshops with many different religions in the room. And we do a little bit of training on how to talk with profound differences in the room, including how to call a 60 second break when it all starts to go to hell. And then including setting norms of no, uh, do we all agree no one will walk out of the room? Do we, tell me, determine why this is worth the pain in the ass that it is to listen to someone who makes your stomach churn, why? So something about how to converse across profound differences. Yeah. And, and my, uh, my takeaway is th this doesn't have to happen out of the Oval Office, meaning it'd be perhaps great if, if no. it were to happen, but this is something, whether you're running a department, an organization, a community, uh, that's a great, you're suggesting, a, a useful intervention to help people navigate the trauma. Some training on how do you talk across differences. Yeah. You, you Rather know, than ignore or slide by or hate once you're out of the room. You know, in the hallway, we can hate everybody. In fact, doesn't everybody miss hallways during this <laughs> pandemic? Hallways is where all the work gets done. You know, I, I this, this has me thinking of a podcast that I listened to uh, last weekend where uh, in, in um, the wake of what happened at the Capitol, it was an hour-long conversation about how to have conversations with your children, mm -hmm. young people. And it was really illustrative to me. Uh, and they use great examples where people said, you know, hey, I watched the challenger uh, blow up in front of my entire classroom. And how, how did, it was trauma. And how, what was the right conversation? Or during Vietnam, this one woman said, uh, they talked about guerrilla war. <laughs> and, and, and all she worried about were gorillas uh, coming into her house. So th those are extremes, but they gave some really good advice about how to have the right dialogue that kind of confronts the trauma, but does it in a way that is more uh, positive in terms of how a person works their way through it than not. And I, after I listened to it, I said, not only is there great advice for us as adults, but we should probably go through the same exercise as yeah. adults. How do we? I think William Bridges' transition book uh, has some nice tools to use. Um, uh, 
first of all, you know, all, all change creates loss. You're just choosing one positive over maybe another positive if you're lucky, but you're still going to feel bad about what you're giving up. Yeah. And then that whole thing of force to, but, um, well, start by listening. I, I, I want Biden to create, and I say Biden because he's going to be the next president. And he has a lot of people who disagree profoundly with what he suggests. Um, and there's a ton of anger. I would create almost a formal listening process of his team. Yeah. Or even creating a team of listeners to go out into the world and listen to those who hate you. There's an awful lot of hate and there's an awful lot of decency. Actually, there's way more decency than hate. The hate's just louder. And I'm struck by the decency. That's what I, anyhow, I would say listening. And I remember, I may have talked about this before, during acquisition that felt traumatic. I had representatives of each function come to a room once a week in which I would sort of say, Here, here's what we know, what you wish you did know. Uh, and I just was a vehicle, a vessel <laughs> that yeah. they dropped all their anxiety and concerns in. I fixed nothing. I didn't add much information and everybody left feeling better. They got emptied of anxiety and fear and irritation that they couldn't find a place to put partly because it was vague, it helped to get it specific. And then every week, each department had to send a different person. So little by little, there became a mechanism and a language for fear and being slightly irritated at being bought because they, most people had nothing to do with that. I had nothing to do with that decision. Yeah, so I think the, the concept of listening and not listening with the intent to solve or to fix, to listen and make sure that you have enough representation of the room that, that gives you every uh, perspective that exists in the system. Yeah. Um, how, about this, how about telling the truth? Uh, there's a lot that's been said uh, over the last week and, and actually number of months about you know, telling the truth and uh, uh, how does that fit into this conversation, Joyce? How do you think? I love it when I'm ping-ponging the ball over to you and it comes back to me. Um, You're such a good interviewer, that's why. Well, so for me, I make up my truth in my head, meaning I literally, uh, and I think we all do, we see the world and then we make up our own story. And our stories are often wrong or slightly off kilter. Um, you know, you talked about acquisitions. I saw really three groups of people. There, there are people that were in the, what I call the fabled fantasy. I'm, everything's gonna be all right. I don't have to get my resume polished up. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. This is just the way the world goes. And then the other end are what I call the terrifying exaggeration. You know, and you can put your own yeah. descriptors there. Yeah. 
for me, telling the truth is offering a compelling, uh, you know, provable fact of kind of what the situation is. And the idea isn't to tell people what to think, but it's, it's somehow to have uh, people on each extreme see a, a different perspective uh, that they may want to integrate if it works for them. Yep, because in a way, truth is the neutral point. Yeah, for sure. It, it just is. Uh, we've talked about sharing nuggets or whatever, but I, I have had a good time with what I call a polarity continuum. Uh, for instance, working with Europe and the US, Europe had a much more um, artistic approach to business and US had more science, art and science clashed. Uh, and I had them line up with a neutral point according to whether they were more to the art or more to the science. It was very interesting to see literally where people stood. And then I brought the ends together to talk the furthest apart and asked the middle what they were seeing and kept doing that and kept <laughs> doing that and kept doing that until we were the last two to talk were the two at the middle, which frankly, the two people in the middle said, we live in hell. <laughs> we just live in hell because you're all pulling at us to go to one way or the other. It's like Angus King, <laughs> the senator from Maine. <laughs> Well, you, <laughs> but anyway, it's so to, if you take polarities um, of any kind and do that activity, I'm telling you, it's, it'll get interesting. But truths, facts stand in the center, sort of. Yeah, very. I think the, the leader, and I, I'm thinking of a couple, when they're telling the truth, it's got an authenticity. I'll give you it carries a certain energy. Yeah, I was going to give you two examples of that. You may be or may not be aware. Uh, you know, how when we talk about handling trauma and big change, it's it's always fascinating to see which leaders, sometimes very unexpected, step into that void and really carry the day. Uh, yeah. And then others that perhaps have the title and you would expect, uh, you know, shrink and fade. If, if I think about what you just shared, um, you know, you had Bill Belichick, you know, good old New England Patriots. Coach. Hey, yeah, yeah, don't get me going. I have strong feelings. <laughs> well, you know, no, go ahead. Apolitical, but, but here's a person that literally as a leader uh, kind of created their truth. So here's how I see the world. That was very compelling. And who would think he would step forward when he, uh, basically said no to the Medal of Freedom. And then Arnold Sch Schwarzenegger, uh -huh. um, you know, uh, uh, re retired bodybuilder, movie star, former governor of uh, California, kind of stepping into this void and, uh, and sharing their truth. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it's the truth, but uh, it's kind of carrying the conversation in a way that, that kind of shapes people towards the middle or pulls everybody toward that as a new truth that becomes a new middle. Oh yeah, yeah, great point. <sighs> I had something to say and I don't know what it was. Well, <laughs> I think it's, I think I'm, I'm trying to figure out what philosopher it is. 
<laughs> that, that you know talks about synthesis. It's opposites build, and then there's a synthesis, and then and um, synergy groups during acquisition became a mechanism for synthesis. It, when they rang true, some wouldn't, some could not give up. And we are talking, when I'm talking about this, about Hannaford Delays and Food Lion. Um, it was the culture, identity, and pride that couldn't, you wanted to be able to keep that and still synthesize to something new. And when you build strong cultural identities in a culture, it just makes <laughs> acquisitions a lot harder. Oh, so how do you, but how do you keep differences alive and highly defined and create common direction? That is the challenge of OD in the world right now. And how do we help do that? Absolutely. And that's why we're back in talking to other people, really. I believe so profoundly that our institutions need what OD and HR bring. You've been saying that since the beginning of our conversations together. And uh, so we didn't need last week's events, uh, uh, the insurrection at the Capitol to, to kind of reinforce your point. No, no, we're, we're in it. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I write in the field of the new landscape of religion and give voice to the confusion and the ambivalence and the doubt and the crankiness. What? So yeah. it's everywhere. We yeah. are in, uh, there's some, okay, go ahead. Ah! I've got my interviewer hat on. So uh, oy, 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 you know, oy, oy. if I think about uh, the history of how organizations <laughs> talk about these conversations, oftentimes it's one of avoidance. We, we, you know, we don't want to go there. It's, uh, we don't want to ruin our brand. We don't want to compromise making some of our employees feel, uh, you know, ostracized. Uh, having said that, what, what do you think is the right way? And we gave a couple of examples to search conference, but is there uh, a call to action given where the country is for organizations to be a part of this conversation? <laughs> you ask such easy questions. Well, no, but if I yes. think Michael Jordan used to say, uh, hey, hey, guys, Republicans buy sneakers, too. So don't go there. Right. Right. So what? Right. What do you think? I think there uh, I think a democratic approach, small d to the workplace. And that doesn't mean socialism and it doesn't mean 20 million T groups and it doesn't mean heading toward to feeling. I mean, we, we, we've had no feeling workplace and probably the opposite for a while is going to be very feeling. How are you? Let's have a counselor come in. Uh, you must be feeling something. Uh, and that'll get synthesized eventually, but we're gonna balance the system of, own, of no feelings with probably too many. That's an aside. I think the more organizations can do what we were talking about, don't do it to people, do it with people. If you look at the language in most um, 
business magazines or it's still like, how do you make people get involved? How do you make people switch technologies? No, how do you engage people to do it with you? Um, how do you let the truth be told in your organization? How do you take away punishment uh, that hangs over the head subtly in some organizations, others not? Um, how do you create a healthy community? And partly there needs to be some education. Uh, one of the things, for instance, I think anybody running for president of the United States should take a rather rigorous test on the Constitution. So people, when they enter, should understand the dynamics of the business. Here's what our business is about. Here's how you have to be. We hit kind of hard because we have to move really fast. So really explicit norms. I don't know. I'm rambling. No, I think you're spot on. You know, you mentioned uh, William Bridges a couple times. Uh, I think uh, I have to say in the context of this conversation is, is the, uh, the term that he uses around the neutral zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that period of time when you're going through trauma and change yeah. where what was is no more. Right. What will be uh, hasn't started yet or isn't in existence yet. Right. And what he describes as that neutral zone as being a, it's uncomfortable, but a great opportunity to experiment uh, with, with new possibilities. And I think everything we're talking about today is how do you take that neutral zone and ultimately have the right conversations, have the right processes that help people move uh, in a productive way through that. Mm -hmm. And partly to be engaged in creating the new, um, because I, also study and write in the area of the transformation of religions. There's a wonderful woman, Phyllis Tickle, <laughs> who writes about that. And um, she said, religious institutions all need to have a garage sale about every 500 years. And I think, and of course, Indian philosophy says we're in the Kali Yuga, which is sort of the hell of in between. And um, so she said, you have to have a garage sale. And during this confusion, you sort through, it's like sorting through old Christmas ornaments and you say, this has got to go to the trash, get rid of it, kill it. This we want to save and cherish. And oh my gosh, we still have a huge bare spot on the tree. What do we need to create? And in the search conference, you do that consciously. What are we going to really let go of? That's the hardest part. And I remember um, posting things by function on the walls all over the company that says, we are not doing this anymore so that we can do that. I have to add uh, a question to, what, what was this woman's name? <laughs> Phyllis Tickle. So imagine if Phyllis married someone with the same last name. Don't even say that. <laughs> okay. Phyllis Tickle Tickle. <laughs> so choice. I it stands let's, on its own. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's kind of wrap up and uh, uh, maybe either summarize takeaways or last thoughts. What it, what's in your thinking? Don't lose the opportunity when systems are opening, crumbling, changing 
to articulate a different way. I'll stop there. Yeah, I'm, I'm left with that each of us, uh, every person in this country bears responsibility to working through the trauma. So we, it's not like we look on the TV to uh, politicians. It's like we all have a part, particularly those of us in HR and OD uh, that are running our operations culture. We, we all have a place to play in, in what will be, and hopefully it's a positive uh, place coming out of this trauma. I think it's a great place to stop. And I'm putting my fingers over my mouth because you open up new ideas every time we talk. So I think pause here, knowing there's a lot more to say and think about. Okay, say goodbye to everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Bob and Joyce podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up an idea or two to go forward and do great work. For more information, please visit us at bobandjoyce.com. If you like today's podcast, please click subscribe. And even better, give us a quick review on Apple Podcasts. It supports us and helps others to find the show. If you'd like more ODHR content, please follow us on Facebook by searching for Bob and Joyce Podcasts. Until the next time, be well and be safe.